0: well-being podcast and I have a special treat today. So, you know, I like to share with you things that happen in my life that inspire me and, you know, stuff that I rant about on the daily, things like that. Uh, It has been one week since I was at Kripalu uh, where I met our next guest and I just wanted to stay in touch with folks. So often I get to meet folks online like, I really believe in my Instagram page being a community page. And although it may say public figure, I, I just feel like I'm part of the community that's really opinionated and has a big mouth. So <laughs> that's what kind of puts me in the public eye. And sometimes I make these connections online with folks that I get to finally meet in person. And Dana AC, am I saying your name yes, right? Yes, yeah. Yay! Okay, because <laughs> I'm terrible at that at that. I met um, recently and she's been part of my community for a while. We've like bantered back and forth on IG and now we actually get to be in each other's space and realm. And I'm excited to introduce you to her because we like just hit it off. She was in my workshop at Kripalu this past weekend and we talked about yoga, body image and activism. And I loved her fire and passion. And when she introduced herself as opinionated, I was like, her and I are going to be friends (laughs) because that's what I love. I love other opinionated people who are interested in helping folks find themselves, be more connected and in social justice. So Dana is a yoga teacher, a higher education career services professional, so I'm very interested to talk to you about that, and she teaches accessible yoga and passionately advocates for body acceptance, and equitable access for all. She loves to weave yoga's life practices into everyday conversations, encouraging exploration of how we can live deeper and with greater gratitude. Her life work centers around providing space for people to embrace the truly beautiful and often messy experiences of being a human. I live for that. We were just talking about that. Dana lives in upstate New York with her partner and two cats. She holds a bachelor's and a master's degree in music and plays the flute, much like my girl uh, Lizzo, <laughs> in a local group. Besides being on her mat often, she also loves to cook, read, travel, write poetry
1: and musings. Welcome to the podcast, and I'm so grateful you are here. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here and thank you so much for inviting me. Of
0: course, I knew that we were going to hit it off, like after we had had a couple exchanges on IG, and then you so you just put in the uh, post, okay, I will see you uh, on the weekend. I'm like, oh, we're actually going to get to meet in person, because often I will have these conversations where I banter back and forth with folks, and we have deep conversations, or I share their content, or we share each other's content, and that'll go on for years that I may never meet them. So it's always a treat mm-hmm. to meet somebody who's deeply connected to the work, and who has been in the, um, I guess, the digital space with me and sharing and, and learning with me together in person. So it, it was really fun to meet you. And I had a wonderful experience spending time with you. Kripalu, thanks for coming out.
1: Yeah, same. I, was, I felt so excited and to have the opportunity to meet you in person. I went out of my way as soon as I think I was probably the first one to book the trip because it's just in proximity. (laughs) It's so close. I was Mm -hmm. like, she's coming close to me. I have to go meet this woman. And then when I saw what you were going to be presenting on and talking about, I was like, I, even more, I have to see and meet this person. And I, I had a feeling because just, you know, again, following you on Instagram, doing some trainings with you. I think we're very similar creatures in many ways. Yes, and, you know, so. so it was it was so great to be able to spend time with you in person.
0: I appreciate that. It was such a nice sisterhood. And what struck me is how close and um, passionate you were about the material. And I think when I come to these spaces uh, and I'm teaching about yoga and body image, that the entire uh, conversation about body image is going to be about your own body and how you can love yourself more. And I think that's great, but I think that's kind of a little bit of an individualistic approach to body image. I like to look at a broader, more nuanced scope of body image. I'm not saying that those things are important, and that we don't explore those things, because we absolutely do. We spend some time, you know, unpacking our relationship with our body, figuring out how to make that relationship better, looking at different ways that we can learn to appreciate our body, or come to a place of body neutrality. But we also talk about how body image affects the way in which people walk through the world. And your body image at many intersections, whether you um, identify as a woman or you're trans or you're a man or you're non-binary and everything in between, who has access to civil rights, who has access to justice, who has access to wealth. And health, good health outcomes. And that is also wrapped up in body image. So body image can be an individualistic pursuit, but it's always about the collective. And I appreciated your passion about that. What makes you so passionate
1: about equity for all? Gosh, I'm going to try and keep on track. I tend to go on <laughs> tangents, but um... Me too.
0: That's what I love about you. We're both going to go because, on a tangent, I feel. Yeah,
1: there's so much. I mean, of course, I think a lot of our, um, a lot of my passion is fueled by my own personal experiences, um, but then just having all sorts of people and friends in my life and watching what they've gone through. So I sort of collect those experiences. I'm deeply empathetic. So I sort of collect them as my own almost. And I just, oof, it comes out. And I'm at a time in my life where I'm in, I'm in my late 30s and I'm just now letting, I'm kind of saying it like this, like letting my vo- voice roar. It's been mm, I love stifled that. for so long mm-hmm. and I've let it be for so long, um, starting from a young age. And I'm just tired now. I don't mm. care anymore. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's time to stand up. And so, yeah, it it comes from my own personal experience growing up of, um, just being othered, feeling Mm -hmm. shamed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, both I'm, I'm middle Eastern, but you know, for the food I ate or, you know, some of the cultural things that we have, or I was always in a bigger body. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I've carried that throughout my life and I've always sort of aligned myself with people who share similar stories or experiences as that, Mm -hmm. um, who are often marginalized populations. And so surprise, surprise. Right. Right. And so, (laughs) you know, and, and I, I know I, and we'll talk, I'm sure we'll get to this, but I have many privileges as a, as a Mm -hmm. white presenting woman. And so, um that come with that but yeah just kind of usually using it all as fuel and i, I like i said I, I keep using this word roar now i'm i'm a writer too and i just can't i'm just letting it out i i can't hold it back anymore and really my life now is at a point where it's not about me it's about the collective good so even if i feel something i'm i think a lot of us are feeling similar things and not to speak for people but you talked about body image, using my body to place it out in front of and in mm-hmm. place of the people who've taken mm-hmm. the literal and uh, metaphorical hits for a long mm-hmm. time. And so that's mm-hmm. where I'm at now is using myself and in, in the way. And I feel like that's how I use my my white privilege really mm-hmm. is to, to step in. We have to for the greater good in our humanity, really.
0: I really love that you could identify with that pretty quickly, that there is definitely a difference between Uh, women of color um, black folks, indigenous folks who tend to be at the receiving end of violence a little bit more often than, maybe not a little bit but a lot more often than our lighter skinned counterparts and that wedging you, wedging yourself between those um, folks and you know getting justice for everyone is really important because a lot of times white presenting women in particular white presenting folks uh will kind of, I want to talk to the women part of it, will kind of forget that there's, even though we are women, even though I'm a black woman and you are a white presenting woman, even though I believe you're Lebanese, right? Which is, Mm -hmm. which is Arabic. um, Because you're white presenting that affords you a certain amount of privilege that our struggles are somehow the same. Like they often white women do not see the intersection of womanhood and blackness and try to align only with the womanhood part of um, oppressed, you know, folks of color and black folks. And will play the same kind of, dare I say it, um, damsel in distress almost, Mm -hmm. not really taking into account um, their privileges for being white on top of being a woman. And I like that you were pretty clear in identifying that pretty early on.
1: Yeah. I jump right in. Usually I'm pretty (laughs) brutally honest now. (laughs) I've always, well, for those who've known me, I I think they would say that that I've always been that way, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm just going to say it. I, you know, and uh, it's such a privilege to be able to only identify with the woman part and not understand the plight. And, you know, I think it's now we talked about this at the retreat is now that their rights are being infringed upon. Now they're sort of speaking up, not realizing that it's all interconnected deeply and that we can still intertwine ourselves with it, but not as our own lived experience, but just in, in, um, co-conspiratorship, like you said, you know, um, and that's what really, I think needs to start happening more and more. So
0: I love that. And what I really uh, love about your, I, I, Ability to identify co-conspiratorship. And for those of you who, who are listening and wondering what the difference between allyship and co-conspiratorship is, this is my own definition. I haven't looked it up anywhere. This is what I kind of think. So when I think of an ally, I sometimes think of person people who are like, okay, I'm going to post her... Uh, Stuff on social media, or I'm going to write a check to a local organization that does the work that I embody. Um, but I'm going to be at an arm's length like I I believe in the cause. Uh, I'm not sure my family is still going to talk to me if I participate in this. And I certainly maybe I'll wear a Black Lives Matter shirt if it's for a work function, but I don't want to upset the apple cart of my friendships and I don't want to upset. My family, whereas a co-conspirator is like having fights with their families because they're stepping up and, you know, having conversations. If people are getting along with their families and letting, you know, aunt, whoever and grandma and uncle, whoever and whoever else is part of the family saying whatever they want it family meetings or you know nonchalantly uh, laughing at either sexist jokes or racist jokes or homophobic jokes or you know anything where that where those isms come into play yet on the sly they're kind of supporting but they don't really want to know so a co-conspirator is somebody who's up front out there in the march and in my opinion because black and brown folks and trans folks have been and queer folks have been at the front of a lot of these huge movements starting them putting themselves in harm's way a co-conspirator steps up and says, look, I know that you have been doing this work the entirety of your existence, and I'm sorry I'm late to the party and I just had a you know, come to Jesus moment, for lack of a better term, or come to wisdom moment, or, or come to God moment, or whatever it is. I had an aha uh-huh, or a teachable moment. I want to support you, and I'm also going to step in it with you, and in some cases, step in front of you so that you know, you are not in harm's way because I have more sway with law enforcement. I have more sway with, you know, society because they're not um, seeing my color first and me as a person second. And so I appreciate that about conconspiratorship. And I loved how uh, in our workshop there was a lot of, not a lot, but there was a few people who had that, uncomfortable grin <laughs> that I noticed people <laughs> do and nodding mm-hmm. when I'm saying things that are very uncomfortable and not understanding that that's part of the yoga and you being okay in our breakout sessions calling people in on their allyship versus being a co-conspirator. So you and I had a, a moment around that.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm I sit there and I, I try to say things with kindness, but I was—I almost sometimes. didn't say something. I don't want to make people feel bad, like that kind of yeah. thing. And I'm just like, no. preferences like, stuff. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is performative, like we talked about. And... Um, and I'm, 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 I must say and back up that I'm still in a learning space, right? I'm still in a space Absolutely. where, and that's why I loved this weekend is I could really sit and strategically think about how am I going to put what I want to do into action. And it gave me, yes. because like a lot of people, I was burnt out much less than yes. some other populations and much more than others who, cause I've already been involved in some of this work, but, um, You know, I was burnt out and it was the, it was what I needed to kind of re-energize myself and to, yeah, redirect myself, figure out where I need to go from here and what I can be doing. Cause I can be doing a lot more, just like a lot of us. And so let me start by saying that, but you know, some people, I don't know, they just weren't, you could tell that they weren't ready and it's a privilege not to be ready. And I said that, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, but I, I said, you know, you're it's, it's a, it's a, you know, some of your ideas are a little bit performative. How can you put those into action? So I turned it into a question. Yes. Um, but that nobody—that some people didn't want to answer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I upset some people asking that question of like, what can you do more um, rather yeah. than just like wearing a T-shirt kind of concept, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you could tell when I was there that it upset me uh, uh, that they were able to walk out of the room because. And and They're I always say this to my other friends and my friends who are people of color. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be that white person who's like, how dare they? Like, now I'm getting yeah. angry. Right. Or like making yeah. it about me. But really, that's what fuels my voice, too. And my friends who know me know that they yeah. know that who I am and how passionate I am. But um, I want to make sure that I don't make it about me, you know, because it's not about me. It's about this. So,
0: Yeah. It's yeah, and I just love that you were brave enough to call people in or up or out or whatever language we are currently Man, using. Bravery takes so much, it does in and of itself, it's draining. <laughs> but what, as this is the intentional well being podcast, and you made mention that you were exhausted, what are you taking as a co conspirator to build your own well being? Like, what are some of the things that you do? Um, in order to not become exhausted in this work. And I think I said in the workshop, activism is exhausting. And sometimes it feels hopeless and depleting. And sometimes you just want to climb into the bed and, you know, pull your pull the sheets over your head where you think you've made like 10 steps forward. And actually we've made 12 steps back. And I'm particularly referring to uh, Roe v. Wade, which has been the law mm-hmm. of the land for most of my mm-hmm. existence, even though I'm a Canadian, it shaped a lot of policies here in Canada. Um, you know, we're all part of the North American continent of Turtle Island, so we're all American in a sense, right? So, um, having that be our entire existence, and then having it not like waking up one day with a set of rights, and then waking up the next day and having those rights rolled back, is feels debilitated, and it feels like we are always protesting something. Like, what do you do for your well being so you don't get Completely burnt out.
1: Yeah, I have a whole toolkit, and it has taken me years to develop it. Um, and, I am excited. Cool. Share your yeah, wisdom. Yeah, I have a whole <laughs> toolkit, and 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 it it's just about the more the more that I've used my yoga practice to discover who I am and uncover who I am. Lovely. that has given me that inner inner intuition to kind of say, I don't like that. I like this. I don't like that. I like this. And so I've built this sort of toolkit and. Um, a lot of them have become rituals. Um, and, nice. and the first it's getting on my mat every day. And, and, mm-hmm. and people are like, do you practice yoga every day? Like, cause you're yoga. And I'm just like, that's a little, I'm like, oh, you know, those people are like, yeah, I do. You know? And I'm just like, it's great to practice yoga every day. I, I practice the physical practice, the asanas, because I have an autoimmune disease that affects mm-hmm. my muscles and my joints. And mm-hmm. I have to, in order to move, I meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely my yoga practice. I write a lot. I journal frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I have a therapist, like one of our, our, um, you know, co-conspirators at the retreat was saying like, do you all have a therapist? And there was a bunch of us sitting around the table. We're all like, yeah, like, of course we do. Like, it's like a a normal. Are you kidding? Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, I love that. But, you know, I, you know, I'm involved in music. That is healing in and of itself. I try so, to feed yeah. myself nourishing food, although I like a bag of potato chips a lot. Um, get That's out and nourishing food. Sure. That yes. is nourishing food.
0: Okay. It's got like yeah. good omega-3 fatty acids. It has a bit of mm. salt. It's full of potassium. Plus it makes you happy. So that is yes. nourishing food. So <laughs> exactly. I just want Thank to put you. that out there. No, I agree. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Um, um You know, The other thing is, yeah, getting out in nature, being outside. Um, And lately it's been, like you've said this weekend, taking restful time, and it doesn't have to be a long time, but and finding time throughout my day, and this is a privilege, but finding time throughout my day or within several days to have some time where I don't have a to-do. I get so tired of our – and the more I rest and – tend to myself and nurture myself, the more aware I am that of these systems just in my body that they don't work. These, this capitalist society, this white supremacy, all of these isms that we've talked about, they don't, they're so, they're so anti-human. Right. And so I, I really get so tired of the to-do list and, and again, have the privilege to say, okay, I'm going to take today to rest, relax those, those kinds of things. Yeah. So,
0: and, and to not, Oh, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. And to not feel guilty about it. Right? How, Man, suppose, it is. Right? Yeah.
1: Well, I think I mentioned this at the retreat, because it's not in other people's practices, they kind of look at you sideways when you say you take yes. care of yourself. Like even today yes. I was at a, at an event and I was like, They were like, "Okay, grab your lunch and come back and eat here." And I was like, "Can we take a break?" Like, and and people, I think people are like, "Who's this woman? Who's she speaking (laughs) up and being like, asking for what she wants?" It that is the kind of attitude, like, that. Um, and I'm just like, "No, like, come on! We've been sitting here for hours and hours and hours. We're tired. We're we're deeply engaged in good content, amazing content that we need to be engaged in leadership." building leadership mm-hmm. qualities, those types of things. Mm-hmm. But we also need a break to continue to engage. And I think that that's how it ties directly to activism is if we want to be deeply engaged in this work that we have to rest, like you said. So learning from the best.
0: <laughs> oh, we do. And, I, and it, you know what? One time I had a yoga teacher, I asked a yoga teacher, what was one of your favorite or one of the biggest things that you learned through your yoga practice, whether it's taking care of yourself, or taking care of the world. And she said to give from your overflow and not from your depths. Mm. And you can't have overflow if you are chronically stressed, chronically tired, chronically overworked, and chronically being um, barraged with bad news, right? Like Mm -hmm. my... My spouse and I, Ellen, had a conversation today about we need to stop the doomsday talk. Like I'm very bad for waking up and opening up my news app on my phone and going like the first thing that I saw this morning on my phone, because I always check the news first to see what's going on in the world, um, that Boris Johnson um you know, resigned amidst a scandal and all this stuff. And I was just like this, and then this triggered a whole nother conversation. And eventually the conversation for me always circles back to Roe v. Wade or um, police brutality or, you know, the criminal justice system. Like it always kind of circles back. And my husband and I constantly have these in-depth conversations. And I think to myself, there should be a morning where I wake up and don't check my newsfeed. Hmm. Right. Where I'm just like, I will, like, I can take a day off the news. Because really, it's a 24 hour loop. And I'm pretty sure nothing, unless there's been a mass shooting, I'm pretty sure nothing other significant has happened today. So I can take a break of that 24 hour news cycle. I don't have to be plugged into every scandal and every tragedy in the world all the time because Mm -hmm. it starts to feel like we can't do it. We get coerced into thinking that this is an impossible plight and we should just surrender to what will be like, there's really nothing we can do about any of this. So we really should just give up. And I think news organizations and that constant piping of bad news into your home via your phone or your, whatever screen you're watching is to saw is designed to wear people down, right. To, to give us too many things to care about that we can't focus on the things that we really need to care about. And that stepping out like we did, um, in Kripalu and talking with other activists and taking time for yoga and walking through the, uh, you know, the maze or, or, and just, you know, (laughs) having a change of scenery where we weren't, I didn't, I didn't look at the news once last weekend because I was so engaged Mm -hmm. in what we were talking about and doing my own personal reflection that it was really great to unplug. And hopefully if you are a co-conspirator while half of us are unplugging, it's kind of like a a relay race. We can pass the baton and then somebody else steps forward while the rest of us are resting. That's how I would like to see activism happen, that the people who've been at the front of the line and really pushing have educated the people behind them enough that we can swap out. And I kind kind of felt that from you. You were really clear on what what you were sharing and what was particularly exciting for me and what, what I why I wanted you so deeply to come on the podcast is you're doing career counseling with young folks. So you have the ability not only to maybe inspire your friends, but you can inspire the whole next generation. And you have a platform that's deeply connected to younger folks. And I think that's pretty amazing. And how does that, how does that look? How does that, what do you, what are you learning from that next generation coming up? I'm hoping they're not feeling hopeless.
1: So much I'm learning. Oh my gosh. They are, you know, I get in the old lady mode where I'm like, these darn kids sometimes, you know, but they're, they're really amazing. I know. We all do that. <laughs> but it's the, inevitable. <laughs> the, the, exactly. And the more I, I connect with them and learn about what they're doing, they give me hope. And of course it runs the spectrum. Right. And I, I was really right thinking sure, sure. about this when we were talking is, you know, I, I work at a community college and we serve so many different students, but a large part of the students that we served are from those marginalized populations that, you know, some other colleges are still trying to figure out how to serve it, as are we. It's a constant right. learning process of how best to serve people and provide access to education. Um, but, you know, I'm, I always raise my hand. I'm like, we've been doing this work for a long time as community colleges. And so anyway, there's my community college plug, but I'll get off my, um, no, but, no, you know, there's those, the
0: there's
1: those <laughs> ones. On the yeah. And I'm thinking specifically of like, um, some, some younger, you know, black men that I work with who are, who have mm-hmm. been so deeply affected by these systems. And I'm watching mm-hmm. it in real time in front of me. Right. Cause I, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about things so much in theory or intellectualize them, but living them is another thing. And so sitting here and I've watched it for years, right. But sitting here and connecting with these young men who are like, they, some of them have lost so much hope because they're living down the street from significant gun violence or they're living in significant mm. poverty. And, um, you know, trying to hold up, trying to help them hold up the hope that their education can shift their whole lives, mm. Um and that I always say say to them because I kind of get, take the mama bear approach. Like you can't you can't take away knowledge. You know yes. they can take away those Jordans you got on your feet, but they can't take away this knowledge that you're going to earn. And they're always like, yes, miss, yes, you know. And so they're great, but it's oh, it's deeply disheartening. And I think that it's that that depth of empathy I have watching them suffer from what's been done to them within these systems that that fuels me to help all students. So it's a spectrum of the student that walks in my office. And then there's those kids who are just, they are reading the next new novels of like the ne- whatever wave of feminism we're on, whatever wave of like, you know, new concept, you know, new waves of everything that we're on. And, and they are just leading the charges and completely saying, I don't see myself in this world. And I'm going to come up with terms, come up with ways to define myself. And they are like nothing we've ever seen. And it's so refreshing. And, you know, that's where some people are like, oh, these darn kids. And I'm like, this is right. great. They don't exactly. see themselves. And these are people who haven't seen themselves in our society. Again, people of color, people from marginalized population, LGBTQ+, plus, people with disabilities, right? Mm-hmm, and so now mm-hmm. they're asking for like a fair share of it. And so I see a spectrum of students, but I think I try to help them instill hope above all. But um. Because you know, with career counseling, it's it's especially in my conversations with students, is rare. It is about their career. It is like leaving with end goals. But a lot of it is self-development of Mm -hmm. what do you want from your life? And I'm gonna steal this from my my One of my favorite people, Michelle Obama, she has this great video that I show students about not who, not what do you want to be in your life, but who do you want to be,
0: right? Because that's
1: where it starts. And Uh I always start my presentations to students or workshops with that video because of course she's so inspirational, but um, who do you want to be? And so a large part of my role, I feel like, and this is kind of going above and beyond, but this is my human duty, right? As as I Mm -hmm. sit there in this chair and counsel these students, it's not really counseling it. It's giving them the tools to figure out who they are. It's not me telling them. It's not me figuring it out for them. It's me giving them the tools to develop it for themselves. And they've never been asked what they want before, a lot of them. They just can't even begin to... So I teach them like, okay, pros and cons lists and coming up with lists, go home with these questions and answer them like literally like journal prompts, you know? And um, I found that that works a lot to help them figure out what they want. You know, I Mm -hmm. kind of lay it out as like a menu style. Like you get to choose. I'm going to give you the pros and cons based on my own knowledge, but you should talk to some other people. Um, But really, I think their own personal self-development, just like our own personal self-development as yoga teachers and humans in this world, fuels the work that we do. And I, I hope that them learning who they are can help fuel their work to become active members of their society or continue to be active members of their society.
0: I love what you just said. I don't remember being in either high school or college or having anybody ask me what is it that you really want to do and where is it that you can really make a difference. It's always been like, you know, what are your skill sets and how did that, how does that apply as mm-hmm. to whatever jobs are already available? Like how can we fine tune your skills so that you can get a job? And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but we've been like operating in that mindset for most of the industrialized revolution. How do we create workers that keep the Mm -hmm. cogs of the machine going. Mm -hmm. I'm not really thinking the cogs of the machine are working for all the workers. And it's time for this new generation, uh, Gen Gen Z, um, the tail end of the millennials and the generation that comes after them to do something different. Because we've been in this very limited mindset for a long time, and it's really impacting uh, everybody's ability to have access to equality and just to be happy. Have you ever thought of talking, like when you were coming up, I'm in my, my early 50s, when I was coming up, nobody talked about loving what you do, not to the extent about what what we do now or having an impact on the world. It was like, how are you going to pay your mortgage and put food mm-hmm. in your mouth? which is also fair, I'm not discrediting that, but how can these two things coincide together and and, and collectively connect to well-being for all of us? Like, I think if you're not miserable and burnt out in your job, then you have time and energy to become involved in your community. And when you're not always in survival mode because systems are put in place to keep you working as hard as you can for as little pay as possible, when we change those systems, then you have more time to explore your, your humanity. And then you have a bigger impact or a better impact yeah. on the
1: world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm a big supporter of education, but also understanding that education doesn't have to be the path sometimes, but yeah, I just think that there are so many opportunities for people to change their lives. And I think education is one of them. And we see it every day in the work that we do at community college is just, it can shift the whole ship 180 around and it's, mm-hmm it's incredible. And it's so, I feel so privileged and grateful mm, and honored mm-hmm. to be able to do this work with these people. Um, and they always joke, like people don't go into education for the money, you know, cause you know, we go into it because we have the heart for it. You know, we have the heart to want to change these students' lives. And, um, I yes. agree that it is Yes. People have to have, and I come from a working class background. I am so deeply entrenched in like self-care. What's that? You know? So there's that piece pulling constantly of like, that's not part of the system. That's not part of that. You're, you're just a, uh, you know, like you said, just a a cog. And so, yeah. yeah. But I think that with this generation, they're already starting to change it. They, I was just talking today, we had a presentation about how workers want, especially millennials and Gen Z, they want companies that are doing good for the community. Yes. I think yeah. some of it's performative yeah, <laughs> simply to drawn, but it's better than, yeah, it's better than we're so. like in just aligning what they're doing for the community with the work that they're doing. Um, because I think that there can be direct connections. And I think that right there is, is a huge indicator that something is shifting. You know, I'm seeing yes. this huge, well, I, I, I interact with things on social media based Mm -hmm. on what I like, of course. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, there's this huge uprising of self-care and I'm like, is there, but, (laughs) but (laughs) I, is it just what I'm seeing? But I do think that it's, they're becoming buzzwords, which part of me is like, we've been saying this for years, but now it's similar to what you talked about in terms of activism work and stuff. But, uh, it's, it's good that people are catching on now and that you know, and, and a lot of career offices are too, and a lot of them are expanding to personal development, personal growth, at tying it into their careers. And so I think that that's important work for us to start doing. And I call it the drop-down money. You can't drop down money. Are you in business, education, right. blah, blah, blah. Like, choose one. And it's like, that's so exhausting. There's so many jobs out there that I don't even know about. And I'm a career counselor. Yeah. And yeah. It's just expanding and expanding and expanding. And I think... um fitting people into these little boxes to keep the, you know, wheel turning isn't working anymore. So yeah, it's exciting work.
0: It is exciting work. And I think it's interesting with the the great resignation that happened um, because people were at home and thinking to myself, we've come really close to humanity taking a really big hit and humanity has taken a really big hit. Like over a million people have died of COVID uh, worldwide. And so now people are like, My life is is finite, and I don't want to be doing something where I'm miserable or where I'm being taken advantage of. So people are really shifting gears, and I think that's important. And a quote that I often use that I heard from a a friend of mine, Christina Christina Mateus, is um, in order to go somewhere we have never been before, we have to do things that we have never done before. Mm -hmm. And I think shifting that focus from working yourself to death Um, for little gain, or to line the pockets of billionaires who are, you know, not really interested in your well-being and looking for companies that align, or a lot of folks have gone out into the entrepreneur space and created different ways uh, to work. But I think that's important, that we need to hold everyone around us accountable, that we don't keep continuing systems that Don't work for all of us. And I think well-being, I you'll notice I call my podcast well-being and not wellness because I think wellness has been appropriated and has become Mm. part of the capitalist machine in that go spend three hundred dollars on a facial or go get your nails done or go have a massage. And these are very privileged practices if you don't Mm -hmm. have that kind of disposable income. What does well-being look like for you and like you and i spoke about well-being can be unplugging from social media for 24 hours like mm-hmm. or you know if you have the opportunity to go sit outside wherever that is and take a few deep breaths in and, and you know focus on feeling your body and like maybe getting out of your head uh doing a yoga asana practice or going for a run or going for a walk or things that are hopefully a lot more accessible and not quite so commodified and thinking that your well-being has to be linked to um, some kind of, you know, luxury item. And on the flip side of the, that, that well-being is a step in starting to break down the systems and that well individualized well-being does not override the systemic problems that are put in place, but they do help us have a better understanding of who we are so that we can decide how we want to contribute to the space going forward. And I think that's a wonderful thing for young people to learn sooner rather than later. And when you said you got tired at 38, I'm glad you figured that out at 38 (laughs) and you didn't figure that out at 58 or 68, where you, you, where you just become progressively more tired and it's easier to throw your hands up and go, well, you know, I'm this age now and my time has passed or I'm too tired to participate or I just got my kids out of the house and now I want to relax. Um, but uh we need we need to stay vigilant and it it starts with taking care of ourselves first.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love what I love how you differentiate well-being from wellness. I think that's so important. And you're right. Well-being has it, it is it has to be accessible practices to people. And I try to be mindful of that when I'm teaching yoga or getting on my high horse about telling people for self-care. Um <laughs> Because, yeah. you know, people are like, I don't know what's wrong. I'm like, you're tired, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're tired, you're exhausted. Oh, you know, oh, I'm so stupid. I forgot this. I'm like, no, you're, a pro- I keep saying you're a product of your environment. We are yes. products of our environment. We, we take, because our systems teach us, we take the blame on our shoulders as individuals. And I'm just like, no, not anymore. I'm not taking, I mean, yeah, sometimes it's us. Um, yeah. Oftentimes we're functioning within, again, like anti-human systems that are built in order to for us not to be human. So um, I really love the idea. And, and I try to be mindful of when I offer options for people in my yoga classes of how to take care of themselves, that they are accessible. Again, coming from that working class background where when you've been standing on your feet, sometimes not just for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, 16 hours shifts, what <laughs> well-being, yeah. you know, like, what yeah, is that, you know? And, but it much is well-being. simply just like sitting down and doing some asana, like you said, and, and things yes. that are accessible to, to all populations, not things that cost money. you know? yes. so And,
0: and I also think well-being can be things like brushing your teeth and picking mm-hmm. up your mail and doing your laundry and going to the grocery store and, you know, stocking your, your pantry and, you know, Helping other folks, like if your well-being practices are like, I like to volunteer and do this, that, Mm -hmm. and the other thing. I think those all, you know, doing for me, doing something for someone else that helps them feel better about themselves is well-being for me, because that makes me feel so empowered. And like all this work that I've spent trying um, to change society actually gives me the energy to want to help somebody figure it out as well, because it's, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, no, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Um, no. I, I, I've always felt throughout my journey because I, I had a lot of healing to do, like a lot of people. And mm-hmm. at, the, at, at a really pivotal point, I thought to myself, there's a reason this is happening. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't feel worth it. To have gone through all this for just myself.
0: Nothing. Yeah.
1: It doesn't yeah. feel worth it. I have to share this other. If I, and I always say, if I can ease the burden for someone else just a little bit, and not in a savior kind of way, but like if right. I can save them some time, if I can save them some energy, if I can hold space for them, mm-hmm. that is my, that is my. I think it's, it's a, it, we have to use our gifts and our skills and, and, you know, own them. And I'm having, you know, <laughs> learning still how to own them and just let them be. Um, and, and I feel like that's, that's again, what fuels me wanting to help other people is to, for them to learn how to help themselves, you know, and to
0: and it just uplift makes, themselves. And to has, absolutely. And to keep like paying it forward. Like I feel yeah. like if I um, help somebody, Take care of their own well being. It may, it feels it mm-hmm. makes me feel better, so that enhances my well being, and hopefully they will pass that forward because they feel better about themselves and yeah. uh, they've learned how to how to manage parts of our life. Because one thing I have noticed since the pandemic is that there is a crisis in mental health across the board like we are all very stressed to the max and i see a lot of people really struggling so we have to teach folks how to notice when they're struggling and we have to have more resources for folks to talk to people like we had mentioned earlier in our group all of us were like you know yeah we have a therapist i mean i only got a therapist in the last year or so Mm -hmm. i've been in and out of therapy for all of my life and i am very fortunate that i live in a country that has Uh, Socialized medicine. So I have Mm -hmm. access to a therapist. My husband also has benefits. I have access to a therapist. Um, And so making the world like well being for all has to be about making those types of um, resources affordable for everyone. I shared a meme on my Instagram a few days ago that therapy and counselors um, should be accessible to everyone because (laughs) trauma, free and accessible to everyone because trauma it's free and accessible to everyone. <laughs> and yes. everybody was like, amen. Right? Yes. Right. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. It
0: was, it was so funny because people are like, I don't agree that therapists shouldn't get paid. I said, nobody said about, didn't say about therapists, not getting paid. Oh it's just because yeah. You know, everybody has access to therapy yes. and that it should be free and available because it's going to keep us from having these huge incidents in the world—it's uh, going to he- keep keep us from, you know, losing the will to want to be in a society where we can all flourish together. We can't do that from a place of complete, complete, complete exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And learning that um, not to buy into the capitalistic model that you have to be producing every minute, of every day, and that somehow your production is is uh, significantly tied to your self worth or to um, your status in society, that taking some time out and stepping back and like flaking out, I call it, meaning, you know, <laughs> you're just gonna lay on the grass and eat mm-hmm. potato chips, you know, <laughs> that, that 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 has value.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I think that I lost my train of thought, but that's okay. I was I, just I, thinking yeah, the
0: time for me. <laughs>
1: No, but those are really um, amazing points. I think that it's hard work because I think a lot of people have bought into the individualist nature of this society and are like, well, why should I care about other people? You know, nobody asks that out loud a lot of the times, but that's the sense, you know, is, um, and so needing to, to kind of help them understand about how the collective good is good for them too, you know, it is part of, I know I teach like a little series on self-compassion and yoga and then compassion and always starting with self-compassion, but then why it's important for like the greater good, you know? Um, and I think that that's so important, but the other thing is just, I'm glad that the world, um, is becoming more aware of the system's and not just the world, but especially the United States is becoming aware of the systems that sort of structure us. And again, how anti-human they are. And we wonder, it's like, we wonder why we're here. Why is this a surprise? Like, again, we're products of our environment. This is what happens when you take away people's, you know, natural human nature, when you move Mm -hmm. against the tides, Mm -hmm. there's just going to be more and more and more and more friction. And that's what we're seeing. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And that's why I do think that. I hope that there is more uprising of people whose rights are being taken away, which is mm-hmm. almost everyone. Um, so uh, I hope that there is, you know, this continual uprising. And it is sad that it's gotten to this point um, that yeah. we couldn't see it for other people first, um, but we have to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, and that's my that's my whole feeling. We have to start somewhere. So. In creating moving forward, in creating well well being practices, what I hear from you is rest is a big one. Yes, so taking the time to rest whenever you can get it, and even if it's um in the in the black community, you'll be doing something, you'll be involved in some kind of family activity, you'll sit down for a minute and close your eyes and maybe drift off <laughs> for thirty <laughs> seconds or a minute. And somebody will say, "Hey, Diane, are you sleeping?" And we'll say, "No, no, I'm just resting my eyes." Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So doing that whenever that is available to us. Of course, not when driving your car or doing anything that's dangerous, (laughs) but can you rest Mm -hmm. your eyes for like 30 seconds? Because I really feel like when we're talking about rest, that you have to take a week off and sleep for like, you know, you know, 18 hours a day, which would be beautiful if that was um, sustainable and accessible, but it's not. So what's an accessible practice of getting rest? Like maybe even a minute or three minutes or five minutes. I did this series on my um, online uh, yoga studio, Yoga for Everyone, where we started with like one minute of yoga. And then the next day we did two minutes of yoga. And the next yes. day we did three minutes of yoga. And we eventually got up to, I think, 20 minutes was our was our goal to do 20 minutes. Or maybe it was a month-long goal and we did 30 minutes of yoga. But remember that one minute of breathing, two minutes of breathing, maybe one sound salutation, maybe a twist, counts as you know resetting the body and well-being right? Mm-hmm. Those, and giving yourself the empathy empathy to know that if it doesn't happen every single day, that, that it happens more times during the week than not like these little moments where we can like unplug from the world, which is what we have to do and take care of ourselves. Even if it's just for a minute, because us mm-hmm. taking care of ourselves gives the, us the capacity to take care of others and figuring out what that one small little thing you can do daily or uh, weekly um, I don't want it to be once a month. I get to be a little more frequent than that. But even if it's three minutes, do you have any activities that only take a second that, that contribute to your well being or five yeah. minutes? Yeah.
1: I find in my own practice that I need to move and breathe deeply and like let out like big huffs, you know? And yeah. I think part of it is just my background, but. Um, I think as humans and I know I'm a product of this of just, you know, we sit a lot and I sit a yes. lot at work and I always say to my students and really anybody who listen is like we're not <laughs> that far removed from like, you know, we're still um Animals, we're yeah. still ancient yeah. creatures. Our our yeah. minds, our bodies haven't caught up to where our minds are and they're often incongruent. Like they don't that's obviously our yoga practices can to connect those, but like we still need to move as humans. And like so many, I think, of our issues are connected to our, our bodies. And mm-hmm. you know, even if our minds have moved on or moved away or run away from, you know. I always remind my students and other people because I find it so interesting, this connection of how it's, it's deeply connected. And we think that we can just think our way out of it. And really a lot of this lives in our bodies. And I know for me, Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, any of those pent up energies just stay there. And so just lifting my arms above my head and huffing as I go down, like letting that big exhale out and. Um, I think you said this, like, you know, putting your head below your heart. So like doing a forward fold, I just, that's what I was doing before this. I was just getting ready after working all day and just needing to Mm -hmm. kind of build some of that energy. Mm -hmm. I just need to breathe and move just a little bit. And I'm in, I always tell people too, I work in an office, you can do it in dress Mm -hmm. clothes. They don't even need to be stretchy. Mm -hmm. You don't even need to move that much or doing a downward Mm -hmm. dog against the wall, you know, Um, anything like that. So yeah, always combining deep, just Breathing, loud exhales, and movement yeah. is is what I kind of do quickly to get my energy back and get my mind refreshed because it gets foggy often. <laughs>
0: so we just yeah, and we get stuck, right? Mm-hmm. Energy gets kind of stuck in certain mm-hmm. places. So let's as we as we close out our conversation together, which went by incredibly quickly. Yeah, um, let's do a little bit of uh, a well being practice that anybody can do anywhere. So if you're standing or seated, it doesn't matter. So find a comfortable place to be in your body. So wherever your body makes contact with a chair or the wall or the floor. And then if it feels really comfortable, go ahead and close your eyes if if it's a safe place to do that. Or if closing your eyes doesn't feel accessible to you in this moment, just soften your gaze. And then soften the space between your eyebrows and release your jaw. And notice if you're holding any energy in your shoulders. So if your shoulders are creeping up by your ears, what would it feel like just to release them and let them go? And then just feel what your body is feeling as you are laying down, seated, leaning against a wall, like whatever contact your body makes anywhere with something that is solid. And then let's start by taking a deep inhalation for two and a deep exhalation for two. So you're going to breathe in for two, hold, exhale out for two and just kind of find that for yourself and then watch your body as you inhale. And then watch your body as you exhale. And I want you to do that three times on your own. Deep inhalations. Deep exhalations. And then as you move through that breath, let the exhalation become a sigh. (sighs) And then when you're ready, when you inhale, I want you to reach your arms up to the sky or stretch out any other part of your body that feels like it could use a stretch. So really just choose something. It doesn't have to be arms. It doesn't have to be legs. And then just kind of feel your body in space. Maybe you want to lean side to side. Maybe you want to take a twist. I like to bring my hands behind my head and just twist. But give yourself an opportunity just to get out of your head and into your body. So maybe squeezing the shoulder blades together, lifting the heart, maybe tucking the chin to the chest, maybe bringing the ears to the shoulders. It's whatever is available in your body as an intentional movement. So it doesn't matter what the movement is, as long as it's intentional, and you're watching your breath as you move your body. And then as a final little exercise for your well-being snack, try breathing in for two and breathing out for four. And as you inhale, think about shrugging your shoulders up to your ears, as you exhale, allow yourself to relax your shoulders away from your ears. And this is a really good one to do if you're in a seated posture. You can do this standing. You can even do this if you're like sitting at a light, like just rising your shoulders up to your ears and then releasing the tension. I do this when I'm standing in line at the grocery store or at the bank or anything like that. And then continue moving your breath slowly and mindfully through your body and taking time for yourself. I'd like to thank our guest, Dana AC, for coming in and sharing with us her experiences of being a yoga teacher, of being a co-conspirator in the activism space, and for being in community with me. It's always nice to talk to somebody that I have a relationship with online and meet us in person and continue to strive for collective well-being and for change in the world. Thanks, Dana.
1: Thank you, Diane, and thank you for being who you are. Like I said, living it all out loud, being that vocal voice that we need and doing this great work. Thank you so much.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you. Until next time, everyone. Thank you for being a part of the Intentional Well Being Podcast, Dana. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you, and and what are some of the things that they can join you in doing around? Intentional yeah, I activism?
1: am. Yes, I'm on Instagram, Dana A Yoga, and I just started my YouTube channel. So doing quick, um, which was hard, brave space talking about, um, you know, just quick. Quick accessible videos of things to check in with yourself every day. So, check me out. Wonderful.
0: And we will put all those notes or all those links in the show notes so that you can connect with Dana and get your movement snacks and your ability to invest in your own personal well being. So, thank you. Please make sure you share this podcast with anybody you think could benefit from this and uh, make sure you go into apple podcasts and rate the podcast it really helps us out getting this out into the universe until next time everyone let's take care of ourselves and each other okay i'll catch up with you soon